0: Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free.
1: Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereum podcast, and we're also, I'm delighted to say, syndicated on other radio networks, including Body Mind Spirit Radio. WTRM The Trim Radio Network, Transformation Talk Radio, home of The Dr Pat Show, and Oneness Talk Radio. And today we're going to be joined by two very good friends of mine, Bipin and Livia Patel, who are, I'm pleased to say, at our Northern UK branch now, having run our Derby group for a long time. And always we're going to be joined by our producer, Darren Ball. And as you know, Darren has questions and points uh, to bring to the table. And in fact, we have one question, don't we, Darren, that we actually hung over from the last show because we just didn't have time to answer it in full. And we're going to come to that. We're going to actually start with that. But today we're going to be looking at solar existence. This is the highest freedom. This is the ninth freedom. But strangely, this is something which has been alluded to throughout history on Earth in many, many cultures, in Africa, America, Asia, definitely ancient Egypt, definitely ancient Greece, definitely ancient Rome, in parts of Europe. It has been known, it has been taught that there are such things as sun gods, uh, and often, by the way, depicted as having chariots. The god Ra, the sun god of ancient Egypt, uh, was said to have a chariot which was called a boat of millions of years. So this is not a new concept to Earth. It shouldn't be. Uh, Those missionaries who tried to stamp out sun worship were very, very wrong. They didn't bring anything greater. Uh, This is absolutely the natural thing to do. But never before have we been given on this planet a description of these intelligences, how they operate, how they evolve, and the massive insights were given in the nine freedoms. So, we're going to be coming on to that as well as hearing from our two guests and our producer. But first of all, let's try and deal with the question, Darren, that we never finished last
2: time. Sure, thanks very much, Richard. So, um, if listeners will remember, we were talking about a question related to psychic powers and specifically seeing into the future. I think the essence of the question that we ended the last show with was basically, can certain advanced beings from other worlds see into the future? And if so, under what conditions?
1: Yes, that was the essence, wasn't it? And I think the point there is that the questioner was dealing with the seashore practice, uh, which of course is taught in the psychic self-defense lecture. It's also, by the way, available in Realize Your Inner Potential. And there is, the first thing to say is there is a vast difference between an intelligence like, for example, the mastery theory seeing into the future, and somebody like one of us practicing the seashore practice. In fact, there's no comparison. Um, But it's a very good question. I want to say thank you for that question. It's a perceptive question. And, And I think the questioner actually gives an example of where the master theorist actually said he hadn't foreseen a particular thing developing that did develop and that's true it's the only example actually i can think of of that being said by a cosmic master there may be another one um master theorist also demonstrated his ability though in on other occasions to look into time and this is the point look into time not see the future by giving the title's of certain transmissions before the events played out within them. So that is an ability he definitely has and had, and higher powers have, but it's very different. So first of all the seashore practice, it's a wonderful practice. We can't do justice to it here on this show, you can you but you can get it as I say, from that uh, lecture or that book, and you can practice it. But what it will help you to do is see into your near future your near future, and your near future. Those are the two key things. It's not about specifics. It's about generalities. And and Dr. King particularly focuses on perhaps, say, a turbulent patch coming up and how you can make it more peaceful, Um, maybe some kind of interference coming into your life and how you can maybe transmute that. But the specifics would be a much more detailed analysis of the future. Uh, which, you know, can be developed. And it's absolutely within the karmic law, of course, in a different way uh, for us to see our own future than it is for us to look at the future of others. I think the example, Darren, that was given by the questioner was to do with planets even outside of this solar system. Mm -hmm. So it would be a question, really, of a cosmic master deciding, A whether to expend the energy to do that, and, B, they would conform with the law of karma whenever they looked into time, because this wouldn't be a haphazard thing. This wouldn't be clairvoyance, as we know it on Earth. This would be closer to time travel. And, you know, once they are aware of events that will happen, this brings a certain responsibility. This starts to change events, potentially because they could then do something about it and there are examples of that of where great beings have looked into time and then taken certain actions as a result of that Uh, so it is it's on a whole different karmic level it's first of all very different when you're looking at others particularly distant planets and it's also very different when you're looking into time rather than have practicing and developing clairvoyance about your own future. I think that would be a summary of the answer, Darren. Unless you think
2: I have missed anything there. No, no, no. I think it's it's uh, it's very deep points. I think. Yeah. And, uh, I think um, for me, certainly, it helps us to appreciate our own um, future interplanetary potential. Put it that way, you yeah. know, to be able to be able to do things like this, um, and the responsibilities that come with it. And I think possibly a glimpse too into uh, some of the subject of the show today. Absolutely. And I would like, on talking of the subject of this
1: show, and in fact all of our spiritual freedom shows, because one of the things we've decided to do on this show, which we have the great privilege of doing, is honing down onto single statements within the nine freedoms and really looking at them and wresting uh, the full meaning from them as best we can in our limited way, and also, of course, drawing on what's been said. And I, one of the listeners sent me a very interesting um, reference about this. They, they'd uh, come across a sermon, I think that it was at a, at a service they attended, delivered by Dr. King. And I just like they they sent it to me because they think that's what we are try, actually striving to do here on the Spiritual Freedom Show. And this is a quote now. I'm now quoting Dr. King from this particular address he gave in 1961. He says this, I took one sentence from a transmission and spoke about it for 20 minutes. People came up and said, that's the finest sermon I've ever heard in my life. And that was one sentence. And that's all I had time for in 20 minutes. It was quite a potent sentence. It meant an awful lot, but it was only one sentence. Now, a theorist has given the directive to make known the hidden meanings behind these great truths, and they are great truths. So a commentary, then, on these things is absolutely essential, absolutely essential. A commentary put in such a way that people can better understand these things and appreciate their hidden meanings. Now, such a thing as a great project, a project of spiritual education, as we can all quite easily see, is a project which must take months and months and months to do. It's a project which, when it really gets underway, will be self-supporting in every way, but it's got to get underway before it begins to be self-supporting. It's a project which will help to bring enlightenment to mankind. And so he goes on, and he uh, also draws the difference between trying to analyse a sentence in a newspaper article, which very often falls apart when you really look at it, and when you look at some of the statements in our teachings, which reveal more and more hidden depths the more you contemplate and the more you look into their inner meaning. So I think thank you very much to the person who wrote in and found that uh, extract from our master. Uh, We call him our master, Dr. George King, those of us who are in the Ethereum society. And I must stress here, this show is not just for members of the Ethereum society or believers in the Ethereum society these teachings are universal they apply across the board to people of, of spiritually minded who are practicing service and it's great to hear of the listeners we have many of the questions we get uh, are, are not at all related to um are the society's teachings they might be related to another teaching and it's great to get those as well but i thought i'd Uh, just read that out because it's so relevant, if you like, to the ethos of this particular show. So let's start then by doing just that. Let's start with our first extract. And this particular extract, we're going to go very as high as it gets, as I said earlier. I mean, we've been looking lately in our shows at the earlier freedoms, particularly the fourth freedom, enlightenment, things which are very applicable to us. But so I believe are the essence of the higher freedoms as well. That's another thing we're trying to draw out on the Spiritual Freedom Show. So let's listen now to an extract of some words that come at the beginning about uh, solar existence. As I said earlier, it's been spoken of in numerous cultures throughout our history, but never before have we been given this real insight into these Intelligences. So, Darren, could you
3: please play our first extract? The ninth freedom will be solemn existence after a successful term of office. As one of the uh, perfects of a uh, Saturn, uh, the uh, cosmic adept uh, then moves uh, to even a higher plane of existence. Uh, but before this time, it uh, travels... A to the central sun of this galaxy, a form advanced initiation into the secrets of a variable dimension. After this initiation. Uh, the a uh, cosmic adept uh, then uh, divorces itself a uh, completely and retires into a uh, meditation a uh, form, a period which in terrestrial years would be 90,000. Yes, I repeat that,
1: 90,000 years of meditation. Um, That's quite a thought, is it not? And what are we looking at here? Because this is the very beginning, some of the opening words of the ninth freedom. So just to remind you, the eighth freedom, and especially for those who are new, The higher freedoms in the nine freedoms look at life on other planets, and even now, finally, life on the sun itself. I repeat, not a new concept at all. Um, We have Helios, we have Ra, we have Sol, we have gods by many names in many cultures, uh, which we're told about who did this, who came from the sun, Apollo, Apollo. Uh, And and you could look certainly into South American legends. You'd find many, and North American too. But we're now looking at what sort of intelligences these are. And the freedom below this, the eighth freedom, which we have touched on, is Saturnian existence. That's the highest planetary race in this solar system. And the highest intelligences on that planet are known as the perfects of saturn and of those there are 12 we understand there might be within that 12 an inner core who are even more evolved than the others but it's uh they are so holy they are so evolved uh, we're told at one point that those on other planets would not disobey them by even a glance not out of fear, because there is no fear at this point they've they 've moved beyond fear as we know fear um, it's it 's a certain awe it 's a deep respect it 's what they want. These intelligences, the perfects of Saturn, who take responsibility for all life in this solar system aren 't elected by the beings on the other planets because they don 't need to be. Nobody wishes to elect them because they know already that these are the wisest, most ancient, and most advanced planetary intelligences in this solar system. And bear in mind, when I say life in this solar system, I'm not talking about physical life as we know it. It's something closer to what is now called multidimensional existence, Uh, may not and probably will not even be visible to us we could think oh no life can exist there what we really mean is we couldn't exist there typical terrestrial approach Uh, but these are very elevated intelligences and we're told now the steps they need to take and this is i think i think it is a fantastic lesson and i think uh, this is i hope one of the things that will come out of the spiritual freedom show that not only do we see these higher freedoms as signposts, almost as cosmic carrots, if that's not disrespectful, encouraging uh, concepts, because as I've said before, the nine freedoms is so positive, it's so hopeful, uh, it's uh, extremely, um, it's happy, if that's the right word, in a way, because you're seeing greater and greater things experienced and realized the more we evolve and this is somewhere where one day we will get to but also i believe there are lessons here otherwise it wouldn't be given to us there's got to be a way in some tiny way to apply the principles of the gods to our small life i wouldn't even call it a reflection it's not even that it's a as it, let's call it a gesture in the direction of their evolutionary path so these perfects of saturn and they're called perfect for a reason, they're called perfect by advanced intelligences, it's a name actually given to them, as far as I know anyway, by Mars Sector 6 himself. They move then to an even higher plane of existence. And to do that, there are certain experiences they need to go through. They travel, we're told, to the central sun of the galaxy, for advanced initiation into the secrets of variable dimension. Now, please don't ask me to tell you what that is, because it's so way beyond my pay grade. Uh, I'm not even in the in the pay list. I mean, it's beyond all concepts uh, known to us. Except again, we're given these words for a reason. I'm sure. Now, first of all, is a, there's a revelation there? Because we're actually told that there is a central sun of this galaxy, uh, that may, by the way, Dr. King uh, described in his commentary, not be visible to us. That central sun, but it is there, and it's the it's if you like, it's the core and the heart of uh, of the of this planetary of this galactic, I should say, system. And uh, according to uh, Dr. King, it's the great invisible, I'm now quoting, the great invisible sun around which this galaxy moves in a continual orbit. It's a hub of the galactic wheel, as, as it were. And he also reveals that this central sun is one of the lords of creation. And although invisible to the human eye, very visible to the eye of an advanced Saturnian's. So they go there, they undergo an initiation. Now, what is an initiation? An initiation is a rise in consciousness. Now, all this is being done, so we understand it, to prepare them to take a position of far, far greater service even than they've already given. Because the solar lords are the radiance of the solar system. They are so at one with the sun that they are virtually its its beams, its light, the sun, the light that radiates from it, and to take that position and be continually serving as they are, they don't have a week off. We all life would die in the solar system if they had a, if they had five minutes off. They don't even have time as we know time, and they are preparing for this, but they have to. And this, this is the lesson: they have to prepare by raising even their consciousness to another level. And the secrets of variable dimension, whatever those are, we wouldn't understand them even if we were told. But it's an interesting indication because you can see that a sun, which affects not just this solar system but other parts of the galaxy too through its radiations, which they are going to be, operates probably on multiple dimensional frequencies to do that. So they have to know the secrets of variable dimension. And then after this, the intelligence divorces itself completely, retires into meditation for 90,000 years. That's in our time scale. And this is called galactic consciousness. And Dr. King is completely honest about the fact we haven't got the slightest idea what galactic consciousness really is. We've got to know what we don't know, haven't we? And even... He, he, that's Dr. King, who had entered and mastered cosmic consciousness, doesn't claim to have an idea what galactic consciousness could really be. He, he, He concludes, he surmises, it must be an awareness thousands of times more profound even than cosmic consciousness and embracing an entire galaxy and the interrelationship of all things within it. But there's a great lesson for us here too that no matter how advanced we think we are, we should never think we've arrived because even the perfects of Saturn have further to go in their journey back to God. Even they require higher initiations. And we're now being given a glimpse behind the curtain. Uh, They require deeper meditations even before they're ready to serve in this higher capacity as solar lords. They even have more to learn, even they, have to go deeper within, if you can conceive of that, for a period of undisturbed meditation for thousands of years. And I do think that's a lesson, because I've met people, I know people who've been on this path, that the, the Aetheric Path and other paths, who s- cease to go within, and suddenly they think they've arrived, and suddenly they reach a spiritual crisis. So we have to regularly kindle the flame within. Not let it burn out and not forget why we took to the path in the first place. Of course, it's far more than that. Uh, It's also preparing us. If we're going to do greater service, we also have to raise our consciousness and learn the many lessons required in order to do so. Well, that's just an opener into this solar existence. And as I'm sure you can gather, it's really, I'm out of my depth. I freely admit I'm out of my depth in even talking about it. But let's now come back to a a level that we can swim in.
2: And let's bring back our producer, Darren Ball. Uh, Thanks very much, Richard. And uh, first of all, I'd like to thank everybody who's been tuning in, sharing your feedback, your comments and your own spiritual experiences and questions for us to share on the show. Um, And if you're hearing this for the first time or haven't written to us before, we do warmly invite you to leave a comment on our website, that's ethereus.org, or to email us, and that's spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. If there's anything at all you'd like to share or ask Richard about, I'd also like to invite you to check out Richard's website for recent interviews, for podcasts and events that he's presented on a whole range of fascinating spiritual topics. So um, I thought I'd get into here, Richard. You know, it's good to hear you folks a little bit on this idea of initiation. And yes, we've had um, various questions about the initiator- initiatory aspect of uh, the Aetheric Society and the Aetheric Church. Ah, right, yeah, and I thought I would just, I thought I would touch on that today. Um, you know, people may see that in the form of certain colored robes or, or certain ecclesiastical mm-hmm. vestments and so on that people wear, mm-hmm. but you know, one thing that may not be immediately uh, obvious when we talk about these things is what the experience of these initiations is like from the standpoint of the person receiving them. You know, okay, there are robes and other things which you can see, but like, what about what you can't see? You know, how does the initiation change you as an individual? And what is the experience like afterwards? You know, people may not know that you're also a, a senior bishop in the theorist churches and that you were consecrated by Dr. King. And I wondered maybe if you could give us some of your own personal insight into Um, what these initiations are like, and perhaps even to the apostolic succession that you are a part of.
1: Gosh, you know, as I always say, I don't know what questions are coming. And I think it's better for the show that I don't, other than that first one, because it hung over from the previous show. But I don't know what Darren's going to ask me. And I had no idea you were going to ask me that, Darren. And it's it's a fair (laughs) point. I think, first of all, let me say this. If I sort of came across the Aetherius Society or came across the Spiritual Freedom Show, went to the website, org, tuned into a service online or at 12blessings.org, but particularly visually, and I saw robes and I saw people apparently dressed as ministers, not apparently, really dressed as ministers, really dressed as priests, I might think, what's going on here? Why? This is? This looks a bit orthodox. What's, what's it all about? And What I'd say there is that Dr. King, I noticed this, even on the technical side, may I say, too, without revealing any secrets, but in his radionic designs, he would use, I noticed, some of the concepts, uh, you might say, from other forms of uh, mechanics or electronics or whatever it might be, but then apply it in in his own unique way to a very different science, namely radionics. And likewise, I don't think he wanted to reinvent the wheel, uh he wanted to use transmute change raise uh, existing structures and use them in a in a more correct and a far more powerful manner and that's what he did with for example the uh, ecclesiastical initiations uh they are not um orthodox they are mystical uh they are to bring a rise in consciousness as you rightly say they are initiations In the individual who becomes a minister, becomes a priest, or even if they're very fortunate, uh, as I indeed was, unworthy, I I must say, but very fortunate uh, to become a bishop um, and be consecrated by Dr. King himself, to raise that consciousness to prepare us. And it is a mini, 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 mini version of actually the extract we heard earlier to perform greater service. It's got to be about that. It's got to be to be a greater, more powerful channel, to be a more knowledgeable person, to have your internal vibrations altered so that your external radiations are also altered for the better. Now, in answer to your question, uh, because we haven't got a lot of time here about the experience I went through, um, it was, I have to say, uh, rapturous. Uh, I, I was honoured to do it with a really, really good, very close friend of mine, also the wife of, of Dr. King, who who was also consecrated at the same ceremony, Monique King, Right Reverend Monique King. I felt this power that I can't really describe. It was absolutely beautiful. But afterwards, I also felt my own, uh, shall we say unworthiness or uncleanliness, that I, I had a lot of work to do, a lot of Uh, lifting up to do a lot of transmuting to do to bring myself up to the required level and it's been work in progress and it's still may I say I've not arrived it's still work in progress today and I think that brings us to our first guest because uh we've run out of time. It's an interesting topic. As you can imagine, I could talk about it at some length, although I couldn't really do justice to it. Um, I will say this one thing, though, that when Dr. King actually told me that he planned to make me a bishop, my first reaction was to say to him, well, that's thank you so much, but I'm not worthy. Uh, And that wasn't being humble. That was just the truth. And he wasn't really pleased with my reaction. And so when I spoke to him the next time, I said, well, it's up to me to become worthy. And he said, that's the right attitude. So I think there's a lesson in there probably for all of us too. But let me now bring in Bipin Patel. He's our first guest today. He's been a member of the Ethereum Society for over 35 years. He's been organizer of the Derby Group for nine years. And as I mentioned earlier, just moved to Barnsley. He will become the organizer of our northern UK branch in, probably in the, in the new year. He worked in pioneering scientific research for 20 years in the standard telecommunications laboratories. He's been to all 19 of the holy mountains that were charged with spiritual energy in a mission known as Operation Starlight. And today he's going to be giving us his moment of truth, which we often call the MOT on the show. And uh, we've had some wonderful ones. I'm sure we're going to have another one from Bippin, who will be relating his moment of truth on Kilimanjaro, one of these 19 holy mountains. Bippin, welcome.
4: Thank you very much, Richard, for inviting me on the show. I'd like to today uh, relate my moment of truth uh, on Kilimanjaro, which happened over 30 years ago, actually on Christmas Day in 1989. I was born in Nairobi, Kenya, and spent the first 18 years in East Africa, and so I have a great affinity with this part of the world. On the vast savanna plains of East Africa stands the majestic and world-famous Kilimanjaro, the highest mountain in Africa, Kilimanjaro has a captivating beauty and a magical ethereal presence. I remember as a young boy being mesmerized by the wonderful aura of this mountain. There's something special about Kilimanjaro. I was fortunate enough to come across the Aetherius society at an early age. When I found the Aetherius society, I knew I'd found what I was looking for and dedicated myself to this organization. Through the Aetherius Society I found out that Kilimanjaro was one of the 19 holy mountains which was charged with cosmic energies which were readily available to be used for world healing and upliftment. I decided that one day I would go on a pilgrimage to this holy mountain and eventually in December 1989 my dream materialized. Climbing to the peak of Kilimanjaro normally takes four to five days and I had to hire a guide and some porters for this expedition. On the third day of the expedition, we reached Kibo Hut, which is approximately fifteen thousand five hundred feet above sea level. One of the major challenges on Kilimanjaro is coping with altitude sickness, which affects most people to some extent. We got to Kibo Hut around midday. It was Christmas Day, but there wasn't much of a celebration going on uh, at Kibo Hut at all. In fact, there was a heavy drowsy, sleepy atmosphere, as many of the hikers were suffering from the effects of altitude and trying to get as much rest as possible before the final climb to Uhuru Peak, which begins around midnight the following day. However, I had an important task to perform, which was to collect some rock for the Holy Stones project for the Ethereal Society. I informed my guide that I would be away for a couple of hours and proceeded to go up the mountain. Once I got away from Kibohat, the atmosphere improved considerably. The aura around the mountain was one of serene peace. I was surrounded by awe-inspiring beauty, and I was literally on top of the world. After i had collected some suitable rock samples, I performed dynamic mantra and a service of the Twelve Blessings, and then carefully packed away these stones. I then spent some time in silent contemplation. Gradually, I become aware of what I can only describe as a living silence, deep, profound, and yet tremendously active. I felt a great stream of energy flowing through me, and this regenerated me. The tiredness and turmoil that I had faced to get here faded into insignificance. I felt a deep inner joy. Gradually, my individuality seemed to dissolve. I became at one with all around me. I felt at harmony with my environment. I felt a wonderful interchange of energies with everything around me. I felt I'd come home. I felt a deep inner connection with the mountain in a small way, the oneness of all life became a living reality for me at that time. I reflected on the interrelationship of all life. My thoughts turned to the spiritual hierarchy of earth. Those ascended masters who could have left this earth, but who chose to remain here in sacrifice to help humanity. Indeed, Kilimanjaro is one of the retreats of the Great White Brotherhood. The mountain was charged by the Master Saint Gu and two other prominent members of this illustrious order. I sent a prayer of thankfulness to the Great White Brotherhood, and I also sent a prayer of thankfulness to the Cosmic Masters who had given humanity the gift of the energy in the other 18 Holy Mountains. The incredible part of this was that this energy would be available for as long as this world exists, which is billions of years into the future, I was awestruck as I briefly dwelt upon the vast implications of this everlasting gift. This mystical experience reinforced the appreciation of the oneness of all life, of the sacrifice and service rendered to humanity by the Great White Brotherhood, the Cosmic Masters, and the Holy Mother Earth. It clearly highlighted to me the importance of the sacrifice and service so desperately needed to save humanity, something which has been so brilliantly expanded in the Nine Freedoms. So thank you for this opportunity to relate this mystical experience.
1: Thank you so much Bipin, and Bippin is I think one of the most experienced pilgrims in the world in the Ethereum Society um, and has had many, many, many pilgrimages, and that's a, a real insight for us. So thanks very much for joining us, Bipin Patel. So let's move on then now. We're still looking at solar existence. And just uh, you might be interested, if you are in the Ethereum Society or interested in investigating the Ethereum Society, that the first mention I have come across it may not be the first mention but one of the earliest certainly was in uh, 1956 when we were told that two solar lords actually went to shambhala for a particular purpose shambhala being a mystic island known about again and certainly re- talked about a lot in theosophy and other metaphysical schools i believe i could be wrong but i believe in rosicrucianism as well um it's a mystic place a mystic uh, residents, um, a, that's a subject in itself. And this is referred to, this meeting, and they're referred to, by the way, by an intelligence known as Mars Sector 9, who we very rarely hear from. Um, that might be the only example. And they're referred to as Masters of Ra. So that's an interesting reference. But let's come back now to the 9 frame. Let's move on just from where we got to with the last extract. And here the next extract, the second extract, Following that one on from solar existence, thank you,
3: Darren. It then uh, comes out of this uh, deep samadic a uh, condition of a uh, galactic a uh, consciousness and uh, practices uh, the. Seven aspects of the white uh, magic of a uh, continuance. After um, this uh, successful uh, practice, it again uh, divorces itself uh, from. All other intelligences, and it goeth again into a galactic, a consciousness, a form, a period of a 500 a thousand of a yom. A terrestrial years five hundred thousand half a million
1: terrestrial years, just to be clear on that, and of course we're still looking at what might be termed, if this is not disrespectful, the bridge between the perfects of Saturn, the greatest masters of any planet in our solar system, and their transition to becoming solar lords to being born through the Logos, if you like, the flame, if you like, of the sun as beings, lords of that sun. And virtually part of that sun, they seem to amalgamate as one and become part of its very life. Not the real life, you might say, but certainly the expression of that life. So they've traveled to the central sun of this galaxy, as we heard earlier. They've had this initiation into what was termed the Secrets of Variable Dimension, and uh, were later told, by the way, in in this freedom, that a solar lord can control mind and matter within 49 dimensions. So maybe that initiation is necessary for them to do that. It sounds as though it might be. They've retired already into galactic consciousness for 90,000 years. They then come out and practice something which is termed the seven aspects of the white magic of continuance, we don't know what that is. Dr. King surmises it's more of a preservative type of magic than a creative one. Of course, no life in the solar system could continue without the energy radiated by and through these lords from their master, if you like, the sun. And uh, it's this, again, is something we really, really can learn from. And then even after that, they go on this massively prolonged, in our time system anyway, period period, of 500,000 years of galactic consciousness. So half a million years to be bathed in the light of spirit to a degree way, way beyond our idea of Nirvana, by the way. I mean, Nirvana is just a basic thing compared to this. Uh, heaven is a very basic thing compared to this. Even cosmic consciousness, Dr. King, who's experienced it, said is nowhere near this. And they are changed, of course, permanently. And that's the point of the, of a deep of any deep meditation. As a matter of fact, you are permanently changed by that experience. It's not a temporary, like a material experience, which is transitory. It's permanent change, and that applies even at our very lowly level, um, even a, an emotional experience isn't as lasting as a profound spiritual experience. It may feel like it, people may think it is, but it's not. Uh, this is where the real inner change comes about. And instead of being the same person, uh, perhaps with but with more knowledge and abilities, you might get through, say, studying something, an advanced spiritual experience changes you in all your thoughts and all your actions from that moment onwards. Uh, This isn't self-development for development's sake or self-realization as a thing. This is so that we can serve more effectively. I want to come back to that. And let's apply it to us. Let's try and do that again. When you pray, energy is being channeled through you. Therefore, your level of consciousness determines the quality and the quantity of the energy you radiate to others. The solar lords are the ultimate models in our solar system of power radiation. They are power radiation. And so as little power radiators when we pray or when we heal, the more we develop ourselves, the more we, as it were, follow this model, this example that the perfects of Saturn are going through here prior to becoming solar lords by, say, doing our spiritual practices, for example, will elevate our consciousness so that the next time we pray, the quantity and the quality will be at a purer, higher level. So prior to becoming this, they have the initiation into the secrets of variable dimension. 90,000 years of our years, anyway, in galactic consciousness, the seven aspects of the white magic of continuance, some type of preservative magic, Dr. King surmises, half a million years in galactic consciousness. Those are some of the stages, the perfects of Saturn, know they need to go through, choose to go through, and do go through prior to being born the sun, uh, through the sun as solar lords. So if they those lords consider that they need further spiritual experiences, well, what of the likes of you and me, my goodness gracious me, uh, to serve more effectively as servers, as radiators of spiritual energy? I think we can take a massive, massive lesson out of this highest of all examples in our solar system well now i think it's the time we actually did a practice and i'm very pleased to say that we're going to be led in that by livia patel uh bippin and livia a man and wife i suppose you might have guessed that um, i should have said that earlier and they they work together in a wonderful way in service and we're very grateful to them uh, for the Ethereum society livia's been a member of the society for over 20 years joined the staff team in 2015 She's been the assistant organizer of the Derby Group, actively engaged in promoting the teachings and practices of the Ethereum Society. Outside of the society, she's worked as a Montessori teacher, and more recently with children with special needs. She's an aromatherapist and trained in various massage therapies. Today, she's going to guide us in sending power to the most sacred being in our solar system, the sun. Very appropriate. So welcome, Livia.
0: Hello, Richard, and thank you very much for the very warm welcome. So as you said, today I'd like to guide us in a short contemplation and the practice of sending love and blessings to the mighty sun. So let's begin by sitting in our chairs with our back straight, feet flat on the floor, hands gently resting on the leg, Palms facing down. Let's try and detach from our everyday affairs and focus on our breath for a few moments in preparation for our practice. With our eyes closed, observe your breathing. Try and make sure that the in-breath and the outbreath are equal. And while we do this, I'll invite you to contemplate on the following statements made by Dr. King about the mighty sun. The sun is the nearest thing to God in this solar system. It is not just a great ball of fire it is a living, breathing entity, just as this world is a living, breathing entity. We are fully, absolutely and completely dependent upon the sun for the grey tides of essential energy. We could not exist another moment without. The sun is one of the great chakras or psychic centres of God, one of the great waters of power within the body of the manifested God. We must think about these things in this new Aquarian age. This is to be the age of knowledge, It is to be the age where mankind puts into practice his knowledge and his belief. One thing we can do is to send the stream of our power, love, energy and prayers towards the sun. Not because the sun needs this, it does not but we need that return stream of energy that will enter into us immediately, instantaneously, so that we may become more advanced and able to help our fellow men more. So with that, let's raise our hands in a prayer mudra so that the palms are roughly parallel with the shoulders facing outwards. And with our eyes closed, visualize, imagine a vibrant white light above the top of our head, draw it down to the top and through the head, allow it to flow down through the neck, shoulders, into the heart center, situated few inches in front of the breastbone and also down through the arms and out through the palms. Focus on this brilliant living white light flowing forth through you and send it towards the mighty sun with all your love and feeling, as I read from the Eighth Blessing, as delivered by the Master, Jesus. Blessed is the mighty sun, blessed is the solar logos, for upon this you and I depend, for that vital energy which does take us through valuable experience. Blessed is this one, for it shineth always in complete sacrifice upon the behalf of ye and me and all of us who dwell within its house. Send that your love to this Send out your power to this. Know that even as you do, never in a thousand million years can you hope to repay the debt you owe to this most wondrous being, this most magnificently glorious aspect of great God. O men of earth, turn thy face towards the greatest living entity in thy system and absorb its wondrous power deep into thine eye so that thine heart may be burned clean of impurity so that thine eye might dwell upon this glory. Yet not for the dwelling's sake purely, but more for the sake of thy brother, who is blind through this path. Blessed is the mighty Logos of the Great Sun. So endeth the eighth blessing. Now lower your hands keep your eyes closed and allow the words of the Master Jesus following the blessing to inspire you. If you, my children, would change from men to Godmen, you would send your love always towards this great being which you now take for granted For this is the God of your Bible, it is the Brahma of the Hindu scripts. This is the nearest thing to God in your concept of manifestation. Just take a moment to gently bring yourselves back and open your eyes we finish with the sealing mudra by brushing the right palm over the left to cut off the flow of energy. Thank you all for your participation. Thank you.
1: and Thank you, Livia. That was absolutely beautiful. And I think many of us will be transported uh, joining in there with Livia. Uh, Livia Patel, thank you very much. And of course, a statement that she read there it's the god of the bible the brahma of the hindu scripts Uh, it's uh, should be part of the worship and the reverence of all religions and those religions who tried to stamp it out at one point thought thought it was primitive sun worshipping and so forth they were completely completely wrong and uh, just out of your interest i'll give you one other final thought before we move on to more questions that a planet uh, is itself an amalgamation of solar lords. So there's even a step, it's not in the nine freedoms, this step, but it's the step even beyond solar existence is to actually join together and form a planet itself. But Darren Ball, uh, I think you
2: have some more questions before we end today. Certainly do. I'd just like to say before I do that, um, again, to everybody who has been tuning in, thank you so much for supporting the show. And if you have been enjoying it, I'd like to invite you to share it with someone. Um, or with the community that you're part of so that more people can be inspired by these teachings of Mars Sector 6. So I thought I'd start here with a comment, Richard. You talked about becoming radiators for spiritual energy. And uh, we had someone share this experience with us. They say, every time I prepare by chanting my mantra, my entire body buzzes. After I have completed the 12 blessings, I physically feel the energy pouring out of my hands during the blessings by, I could, I swear I am standing 10 foot tall. I feel elevated. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. It's, it's not the first time I've heard such
1: sentiments. I think they're very real. Uh, I think, and I, you know what it reminds me, Darren, because people often say, you know, to, to follow a religion, to follow a path, is it based on faith? And Of course, faith is a very valuable thing to have, but not blind faith. Uh, Faith is something which comes really uh, through experience. But what I think it is based on is hopefully logic, the kind of inquiry that we're showing in this show, that these teachings really stand up to scrutiny and reveal many great pearls of wisdom. But also things like this question, this comment. um, It's spiritual experience. This is real. This is not a leap of faith. This is something that these are tangible forces. They are real energies. You can actually experience them, and and people do, and sometimes very, very quickly indeed. So, yeah, that's a great comment. Thanks for that, Darren.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Nothing like experience, I think, to open your eyes to um, what life is really about and that these things are, are really real, as you say. And that was mm. certainly my own experience when I first discovered the 12 blessings as well. Sure. Um, another. I have another one here about uh, someone who's asked about an experience that they've had with uh, the Twelve Blessings. They said, I've observed that during prayers I experience greater spiritual force in my right hand than in my left hand. Is it a natural phenomenon? And if not, what do I do to balance the forces in both hands?
1: Another good question. Uh, First of all, don't be concerned. I wouldn't even advise you to attempt to balance the forces because there's no particular requirement to do that. Um, I think they did. Did they say their right hand was the stronger one? Is that what that's right? That, that's yeah. Right. Well, that would be the normal thing. I mean, I be, I'm sure many have experienced this. Uh, certainly those who give healing. Um, I always I experience very often that uh, one of my hands will be much warmer than the other one. Um, and they weren't when I started out. For example, it's another little example of it. Um, the right hand, by and large, is the positive pole, the left hand being the negative pole, not in a bad sense, negative, in a in a sort of, as it were, electronics, electrical type of sense, a uh, different polarity sense. And so very often the natural flow will be right to left in most people, not in all people. You, you, and you can discover this and you can find out. I mean, just to name, for example, my wife, Alison, she is a left to right flow. Uh, it would be more likely uh, that if you were a left to right flow, that you it would happen more to women, I think. Uh, but nothing is definite. And you'll discover that. And, you'll, and, it, and if you're not sure, it doesn't matter at all. If you come to give healing, though, you will find out. And you'll need to use that in the healing technique, certainly, that Dr. King taught. So it's quite a natural thing. It's an interesting thing. It's another example of a real experience there, and it's an indication of energy flowing through the positive pole, which is
2: the right palm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Richard. I thought I'd just finish here, just with uh, just a, a comment that we received uh, on a on a previous show, and this person says. Um, thank you so much for the outstanding contributions and the pearls freely offered. There is hope for the world. Again, sincere gratitude. <laughs> I think um uh, certainly echo those There's, uh, and the pearls that we're able to share. Thanks to Mars Sector 6 on this show, uh, freely with the world, as they say. Indeed, Mars
1: Sector 6 and Dr. George King, of course, with his brilliant commentaries, um, which are in the book and also through his lectures. We can't come close to his lectures. We don't even try to come close to his lectures but what we are able to do here as i said earlier is analyze short passages in much greater depth and of course the beauty of that is that they really really as dr king said in the extract i somebody sent in that i read out earlier they really stand up to it they they reveal more and more and more and more Uh, it's like a never-ending flood and flow of thought of inspiration the the deeper you go into these sometimes very terse, very short, just a few words, and yet they say it all. So I want to thank uh, our guests, both Bipin and Livia Patel, today for their excellent contributions. And I want to especially thank you, our listeners, Uh, for tuning in for being part of the show for sending in your questions and sending in your comments and your points we've got plenty more we can't get to them all but please do keep those coming and please remember service is the jewel in the rock of attainment